Today on Mission Live, we are doing a special uh, show today where we're going to tell you a little bit about some work that we've been doing with a book called Crucial Conversations. Uh, we've got a ministry spotlight as well, uh, or excuse me, a resident testimony with, with Chris Sorensen later. It's going to be fun. Check it out on Mission Live. Let's roll. Monday, you are here on Mission Live. I'm so glad that you've joined us. I love our little groovy music there. That is so fun. Um, today, we're doing a video of a class that we've taught on uh, Crucial Conversations. Now, Crucial Conversations is part of the Crucial Learning series of books um, by a group that used to be called Vital Smarts, and uh, they've been incredibly helpful with our program uh, in, in uh, just giving us some teaching tools, some ways of actually bringing about change from people uh, who are broken and homeless into a spot where they are independent. And uh, today, we're going to be covering what's called the path to action. So here's the video. Check it out, and uh, we'll see you in a bit. So today's book that we're doing is Crucial Conversations. This book, um, I've, I've seen it recommended in church denominations for training in, uh, in their staff and elders uh, training for counseling. Uh, we've used it here at, uh, at the Gospel Rescue Mission with tremendous success. And I'd like to share with you some of the reasons why we found it valuable and maybe why you should think about picking up your own copy of Crucial Conversations. So today... I'm going to talk to you about the path to action. And it's one of the things that we have found really, really helpful in both counseling and, um, and helping just kind of redirect people into a place of, of a healthy direction in their life as opposed to uh, one of homelessness. So I, I think it's really helpful. I hope to share with you something good today. So what we often see when we see people coming in off the streets are people who have feelings, there we go, feelings of hopelessness. Or despair. Uh, we, we see a lot of uh, anger and fear. And these tend to lead people, these feelings tend to lead people into a series of bad actions. It tends to lead people into the things that result in homelessness. It's things like addiction or isolation. Um, you see a lot of... Um, just um, violence and a lot of just really running. And so what we see is that one leads to the other, that feelings lead to action. 
we constantly we, we constantly catch this bad action in the homeless community, and we're going, why is this here? Why are we seeing this this act, activity going on? Well, when we talk to them, we see that they have a lot of feelings in common. So one of the things that we started doing was going, how can we address this in a way that's helpful? With Crucial Conversations, what they've talked about is really this full path to action. And the full path to action starts here. It starts with what you see, hear, or observe. Okay, and then what you see, hear, and observe, you ask a question of, why did I see, hear, and observe that? Well. Most, of, most often what we do is we tell a story, okay? Now, it's not always us, but it could be others that tell the story. And the story leads to our feelings, and feelings lead to action. And here you have the complete path to action. And so if we're ever going to correct this, what we really have to do is we have to correct this. It really comes down to mastering one's story. And this is something that, that gospel rescue missions have that's unique, is an ability to, to help correct the story, plus we get to introduce the truths of the gospel into that storyline, which changes absolutely everything. Let me give you an, an illustration to see what we're talking about. So let's say I have somebody who comes in who has been victimized in their life, who's coming in from maybe a broken marriage, uh, a broken marriage in which they don't know what's going on. They don't understand why, uh, why the marriage is falling apart. And, but they notice that their spouse had, they noticed that their spouse had put distance between them and they were seeing, hearing, observing this behavior between them and their spouse, which eventually, with no communication, they start telling themselves a story about it. Why is this happening? Why is, why is this happening to me? And the story they tell themselves is, you're not a good person. You're not a good person. You're not, you're, not, uh, you're not doing all that you could do. And even what you could do is the wrong things. And so, again, they tell this story to themselves, which leaves them feeling how? Well, hopeless, full of despair, maybe anger, maybe fear. Okay, all of these things, which leads to actions. What do I do? Oh, no, what do I do? Well, I may start. Redu redu uh, reducing myself to addiction or isolation. Maybe I start acting out violently, trying to grab onto the thing that I'm telling myself I'm losing. Or maybe I just start running. I just think I'm, I can't live with hearing one more time that, uh, that I'm failing at something. And, and so, again, by the time we get here and we say, uh, Okay, this person has now been using drugs, maybe, uh, maybe isolated, lost their marriage. They've been out on the streets for a long time. With this story, 
echoing through their, through their mind, okay? And they finally get to the place where they're like, ah, I'm, I'm worthless. I, I'm, I don't do people right. I don't, I don't understand how to deal with life. I behave inappropriately. I don't know what to do. Well, why do you use drugs? Well, because who would want to live life feeling this way all the time? I can't sleep because of it. I can't eat right because of it. All of these things. So again, what we see is this pathway that's leading to a bad action. So one of the things that we have to do is help, help this person begin to identify when they're feeling this way. Help, help identify the stories that lead up to this bad feeling. How did they get there? How did they get to this, to this point? And what we may find out is, okay, well, golly, yeah, uh, they saw their spouse leave. They saw this thing happen. It may not have been all the story that could be told. Proverbs 18, 17 says this. It says that the first person to bring their story, uh, the, the first person to tell their story always seems right until somebody comes and cross-examines it. And so one of the things, even when that person to tell the story to ourselves is ourselves about, about how we got to this spot, we, we tend to just reinforce it and reinforce it. It always seems right. We tell the story that seems most right to us. Uh, it could be that our spouse told us this story, that the spouse said these bad things, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's all there is to be said of the story. And, and so a person, obviously, they're feeling bad because of this story that's just re reaffirming itself, and, and they're constantly in this bad feeling. No wonder. They want to isolate. No wonder addiction sounds good. No wonder running or violence might sound good. It makes sense. It makes sense if this story is true. The question that you have to ask and continually challenge is, is the story true? So learning to master the story is so important. So what if we can come in and say, hey, I've got good news for you. The story you've been telling yourself may not be all there is to the story. First of all, if you're in a bad relationship, that takes two people, okay, at least, to, to, make, to make that relationship bad. And so you're not the only player in that story. Second of all, um, just because you didn't know, just because you didn't have a good relationship skill doesn't mean you can't learn one, okay? And so it's not all that there is to be said. You may find yourself in a bad condition at one point in time, but you don't have to stay in that bad condition. You can learn new, new skills, new talents, new relationship abilities, and you can actually get to where you're pretty good at it, even if you weren't when you began. Um, and then here's where gospel rescue missions are unique. Gospel rescue missions have this great thing. We tell them that you are created in the image of God, that you are created in the image of God and capable of great things. And not only that, but even if you failed in your past, that there is somebody who bled and died to, to give you his perfect life, to redeem the life that, uh, that you once had, and maybe you were sowing in death and sowing in all the wrong things into your life. This person came into time and space, Jesus Christ came into time and space and wants to give you a new life. So the old things don't have to stay 
the way they are. They can pass away and you can move on into this new life. And so suddenly, this story can change. You're not doomed to this action because you're not doomed to these feelings because you can have a different story. So let me give you a quick illustration of, of how this works in a real simple way. So let's imagine that you are uh, waiting to go to the, to, waiting to get out of a movie theater and at the end, you parked at the very far end of the parking lot and it's dark out, it's nighttime. And, um, and the parking lot's already emptied because you watched the entire movie and, and you watched all the credits and everything. And so you're walking out, you're getting ready to leave the theater and you look across and there's your car, but in between you and your car is a large man in a dark hoodie leaning against a lamppost. Okay, now you could tell yourself the story that well, looky there, the, the theater has actually provided security to make sure that I get to my car safely. Okay, now if that's the story you're telling yourself, how's that going to make you feel? Well, if you believe that that's the case, you're going to tend to go, oh, okay, I feel good. Woohoo! I'm happy as I go and walk my way to the car and I'm going to feel much better. Now, same story, and the one that we're probably more apt to, the, the same scenario, but the one that we're more apt to tell ourselves is, oh no, there's my car, there's somebody in between us, it's dark out, and he's wearing a hoodie, I bet he's looking to get me. He's probably looking to take advantage of me while I'm alone in the parking lot between here and my car. Now what's happening? Well, now, now I'm feeling all kinds of troubled, and... All of a sudden, my adrenaline's kicking in, okay, because I, the story that I'm telling myself, the adrenaline's kicking in, and so once the adrenaline kicks in, now here's another thing. My body actually looks for reasons to justify the adrenaline. So what happens? It doubles down on the same story. And, and now I'm going in this cycle here where I'm telling myself a story, you're in danger. Tell yourself the story, you're in danger. And so it's making me feel more and more troubled, which is going to cause me to do what? Run. It's going to cause me to run to my car in fear and terror. Now, here's the thing. Neither of those stories are necessarily true of what I saw, hear, or observed. I probably should have asked maybe a, a movie theater staff and said, hey, did you know there's a guy out there waiting outside, of my, outside in the parking lot and they could say, oh yeah, that's the new security guard we just hired and he's going to make sure you get there safely. They could also say, well, that's really strange. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll send some staff out there to just keep an eye on you and make sure you get to your car safely uh, between here and there. And either way, it would change the way I feel, which would change the way I act. So the point is, is that, is that the story we tell about what we see here and observe determines how we feel. And even though you've got the exact same scenario in both of those stories, the story that we told was different, which determined how we felt, which will determine how we act. You see how that works? And that's going to work. That's going to work for the homeless guy who also says, I'm worthless. I have no value in life. If, if all they're hearing is some Darwinistic 
idea that they have become all that they're capable of because they're in some class somewhere down here and this is the best they can be. Well then, if we've resigned them to, well, it's just addiction and they can't get out of addiction. It's just mental health issue and they can never get out of mental health issues. If, we've, if we are reinforcing a story that's negative, well, how are they ever going to feel anything but hopeless, despairing, anger, and fearful? And of course, why won't they just continue in homelessness, in isolation, in, in addiction, running from people who are trying to help them all the time? It's the story that they've told themselves. And this is why the story of the gospel is so important and why it's so effective in helping the homeless. Because we're not just telling them, you can do better. We're saying you were made to do better because the creator of the universe knows your name. And he, and he has, all your suffering is not missed on him. And whatever reasons for your suffering, what it isn't, is it's not punishment on you because he sent his son into the world to take the punishment for your sins and mine. And he loves you and wants to change your life and cause you to live a life that glorifies him. Now, if we can actually help them believe that that story is true, which in our experience and from what we've seen and what we know from the scriptures, it is in fact true, then it still may not help us explain why did we see, hear, and observe all the things that we've done, but it allows us to tell a new story. I can't explain all the reasons for all the things that have happened to you in life, but I can certainly tell you this, that in addition to all the things that have happened to you in life, you are worthy of, of a life that is fruitful, a life that, that is able to produce and do good things for, not just for yourself, but to be a blessing to those around you. You have the ability to bless others the same way that we want to bless you in making this thing change. And all of a sudden what you have is people that now feel really good about their lives. What that tells you is this also, that, that you are in charge of this. You are in charge and have some, have some say into how you feel about your life. So it's funny because Jesus in uh, John 8, 31 and 32 says something like this. He says, he says that um, if you abide in my words, you will be my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Okay, and, and so Jesus puts a strong tie to, to if you're telling yourself the story that Jesus tells, live in his words about who you are, about who he is, then what will happen is you'll know the truth about what you see, hear, and observe. And the truth will actually set you free. It'll set you free. It'll change the way you feel about the life that you live. It'll change the way you feel about those things that are fearful in front of you. It'll give you hope, and that will change your actions. There's a reason why one in four people that come to the Gospel Rescue Mission in Grants Pass, Oregon, leave with an income stream and leave with a home. And it's because we have enabled them to become men and women who flourish in their life. Because, because this truth 
has spoken power and change into their lives. That's the thing that we've learned, one of the things that we've learned from the Crucial Conversation series. And we're hoping that this will be something that you can use in your life. I'm looking forward to telling you more about Crucial Conversations and some of the other books that came through the Vital Smarts group, through uh, Crucial Learning and these folks. It's very powerful and very helpful towards making change in people's lives. God bless you, and I can't wait to tell you more next week. Well, normally right now what we would do is a ministry spotlight, but you know what? We need to hear from you about different ministries going on in your church, in your community, things that are going on uh, that we can actually learn and highlight, and we'd love to tell your story about what's going on in your community. Great, great ministries going on uh, here in Grants Pass or the Medford, Southern Oregon, or elsewhere. If you've got a good mission in your in your town, uh, we would love to interview them, find something about them that uh, we can spotlight and share with the rest of the world about all the good things going on. Um, but since I don't have somebody in my ministry spot lineup for, for you this morning, what we're going to do is just share a story about uh, a former resident named Chris Sorensen. Chris did a great job during his stay here, a life totally transformed by this very, this very path to action. And, uh, you know, no one tells his story better than he does. So I'm just going to go ahead and share Chris's story with you right now. So my name is Chris Sorensen. I came to the Gospel Rescue Mission in Grants Pass, Oregon on January 16, 2017 and went through half the process of checking in. Decided because of my own impatience that I didn't want to stay and returned on April 3rd, 2017 and decided that I needed a change of lifestyle and put forth the effort to be part of this program. I was uh, homeless for quite a long time and lost in reality, I guess, of my own accord. Uh, I went in and out of jail. I got accepted into the drug court program on January 16, 2017. And I also decided not to stay in that program and went back to jail. And when I came here on April 3rd, I got accepted back into that program and went from there. In the first 30 days the program requests that you don't get a job, you don't, you just work on yourself, you stay pretty much in the building per se and work on yourself. You work in-house in certain jobs, housekeeping, the kitchen, laundry, but it gives you time to work on yourself and rebuild your stability and structure in your life. Some people in the house is really good. I mean, if you're putting forth the effort to be part of the, it, everybody seems to get along. It's a hard process. A lot of work goes into it, but it's a good building process to restructure your life. Going through the program, I put forth the effort to change my life with this program and the other one I'm in. And I talked to Brian at different points through the program and he kept saying, telling me, as I was telling him my progress, he kept telling me that if I keep working at it, good things will come from what I'm doing. 
keep going through the process and when I get close to being six months at the Gospel Rescue Mission, come talk to him and he would have a awesome opportunity for me to go through which was dental work because I've had very bad teeth probably most of my life. A lot of it was from drugs and just not taking care of them. But he offered that if I stay in the program so long and continue doing what I'm doing that the Gospel Rescue Mission will pay for my teeth to get fixed. And I want to say it was sometime in October I made my first visit to the dentist and we made a plan on what we decided should be done and she gave that plan to Brian and they talked about it and came up with a solution and I've gone to quite a few dentist appointments, had quite a few teeth pulled and we're almost to the end of that process now. I am, I think, two visits away from getting my permanent ones that I will have. And it's something that I didn't think I would be able to ever accomplish by my own doings of getting my teeth fixed. I guess I was just okay with what I had going on in that part. But it's kind of awesome looking in the mirror and not seeing black rotten teeth seeing actual white teeth and smiling a lot more and not having to go like this when I talk. I'm starting to like that aspect. It makes me a little more outgoing and want to be more part of when group situations because I don't have to hide that. Uh, the process leading up to me leaving the machine. Uh, I left sometime around January 23rd I had moved out and I put a couple weeks thought into it and thought that it was probably the right time to do it. I had felt better about just holding my job down for so long, working on myself through the mission and the drug court program, that I was confident that I would be able to do it and maintain it. It's nice, I actually just talked to the landlord who I haven't seen since the very first day I moved in and paid rent. I, we just caught in passing and he told me today that I was like the perfect tenant because I'm rarely seen, I'm working, I pay my rent on time and they have some requirements that you do while you're in drug court and one of them is to get your GED which I took my last test yesterday and printed out my official GED little plaque or whatever you want to call it to go on the wall and just the things that between the two have allowed me to do again, being myself, uh, living in my own house, going to work. I get to go to work every day. Who just does that? I mean, normal people, but I get to do that now. And for the longest time, I didn't get to do that by my own choices. I get to be the son to my mom again that I'm supposed to be and not to be the guy that I was. I'm doing a 40-hour give-back project for the drug court as requirement to graduate. And I'm doing that at the Gospel Rescue Mission for the Easter egg hunt that's held every year at the Riverside Park. Everything's going really good. I don't think I would be where I'm at without being part of the process. Letting somebody else give me suggestions and guidelines on some things that may help or may not help because they have seen a lot. And I took those suggestions and I am super happy where my life is headed now. I get to do things that I didn't get to do. We were just talking about my teeth. And I want to say directly to anybody or everyone, 
that has helped the Gospel Rescue Mission with any donations, but in particular that donation for helping me get my teeth fixed. I truly and greatly appreciate everything you guys have done. Thank you to Brian and the whole team at the Gospel Rescue Mission is amazing in what they do. And I just want to thank you. I truly appreciate all you've done for me. smile man how cool is that you know Chris is just one of the many stories of success that come through our doors uh, every every day at the gospel rescue mission you know and and when he first came ah man he was angry and and didn't want to make you know he didn't want to stay long and he was frustrated and and everything but he circled back around and he tried it again and and he is a great example of what happens when you really kind of know what you're getting into and you jump in and you decide it's time for a change. Uh, please continue to hold Chris up in prayer and, and uh, just ask for the Lord's blessing on his life. Um, and what an opportunity, what a cool thing it was for him to share his story with us. I sure appreciate that. Well, it's time for the mission rule of the week. And again, remember, we're framed a lot of times in the community um, as having kind of cruel and unreasonable rules. And so what we've just decided to do is share them with you. You decide, is it cruel and unusual? So here's rule of the week. Ah, rule of the week number 11. <clears throat> male residents or male visitors are not permitted in the woman's shelter at any time, regardless of marital or parental status. All visitation must take place off of mission property. So here's the idea. Um, in, in our women's shelter, we have a lot of ladies that have been um, damaged and, and come in, from, you know, very uh, uh, hurt by uh, male counterparts in their life, whether they've been, um, you know, relational counterparts or just been victimized by men in general. And what we really want to do is protect them. And so, um, and so one of the boundaries that we set between the men and the women is that there's just not a lot of crossover, okay? We don't want the, the men from the men's house going over into the women's house. And that might even be when we've got a married couple. So we've got a married couple, uh, you know, a, a lady staying at the women's house and a man staying in the men's house. Um, and we separate them rather than having them together in the women's house. And the reason is because the, the problems that that man may be bringing into that house doesn't just affect the husband and wife relationship, but it can actually have this huge impact on the rest of the, the other women and children that are in the house who maybe are a bit tender towards, you know, towards anything um, from a man, any kind of, um, you know, raising of the voice, uh, you know, outburst of anger, any of that kind of stuff. It can just add a lot of terror. And so um, we really want to protect them. And this is designed to protect the ladies that are staying there. Um, they, it doesn't mean that husbands and wives and, and you know, fathers and their children can't uh, meet together, but they just have to do it off-site in a place that when, when they get together, if there's any problems that, that might 
erupt out of that, that it'll erupt outside of, of, uh, outside of the mission and in a place where it's still protecting everybody, all the women and children that are still remaining in the mission. And so, again, it's designed to help protect people that uh, are in the mission as well, not just, uh, it's, it's not just about the couple themselves. And really, the idea is you're here to get unhomeless. So let's first focus on what is it going to take to become independent, unhomeless, um, and, and then you can work towards re-establishing the relationship, uh, maybe if it's a married couple or something like that, uh, re-establishing the, the relationship in, a, in an appropriate way. Um, but our first focus, our primary focus, and really it's almost our only focus, is, is just getting people to leave homelessness behind, to become independent, to become to learn homefulness and to see what that looks like. And, uh, and that's what our rules are there for. So that was uh, terrible rule number 11, uh, designed to actually protect women and children. Okay, and now it's our time for what does the Bible say about homelessness? And today's passage comes from the Proverbs again. Uh, we are in Proverbs chapter 16, uh, verse 26, where it says, A worker's appetite works for him. His mouth urges him on. And uh, the idea, and this is found throughout Scripture, is that um, the consequences, the, the, un, the discomfort that comes from not eating causes us to work hard so that we can do what? So that we can eat, right? It's, it's designed to drive us to flourish. These things are made to cause us to become productive and to flourish uh, in the community around us. So and not only, hopefully, when we flourish, when we, when, we, when we become fruitful, not only do we have something for ourselves, but then we have something also for others in our sphere of influence. So it might be our family, or it might be our neighbor uh, in, in some way, um, and just and to the rest of the community. So these things uh, are part of the, the, the discomfort that comes from hunger, the discomfort that comes from sleeping on the ground, the discomfort from being cold outside or exceedingly hot, depending on where you're at in the time of year. All of those things are designed by God to drive us to become uh, more productive in a way that... Um, that helps not only ourselves, but helps the entire community around us, because that's what all God's blessings are for, is not just for us, but for everybody else involved. Guys, thank you again for joining us for another episode of Mission Live. And I'll tell you, if you've listed, if you've lasted this far, if you would do me a favor, would you subscribe to us on YouTube? Would you uh, would you friend us and follow us on Facebook? If, if however you are following us right now, and would you share us with your friends and family? Also, I hope you know that we are one hundred percent kind of uh, you know we are supported by the donors in this community. We are independently supported. Uh, we don't take a dime of government money, and we really rely on your support. So if things like this uh, are, are things that you really can get passionate behind and would really like to see more of, 
uh, then I would just pray that you go to, to grantspassmission.org and uh, just click on the donate tab there and, uh, and, and help us out. That would be fantastic. Thank you again. And as always, pray for us. Pray for us um, because we're in the middle of a culture war. We are in the middle of a cultural battle in our community and across the West Coast trying to say there's a better way to do things. And it comes with adding the gospel at the front of everything that we say, think, and do. May God be glorified in all of those things. May God be glorified in your life as you go out and do the work that you do uh, throughout the week. God bless you. Thank you for taking the time to watch. And I hope you have a great day.